0: Continuing with the sermon series on the book of James, the uh, text is from James chapter 2, if you want to turn there and follow along. A man was out golfing on a Saturday with uh, his golfing partner and uh, was playing all right and uh, was at a, a hole that was right next to a road that went along the golf course. And just as he went to swing, a funeral procession came down by the road. And so he he reeled back, but he paused mid-swing, which for a golfer is a very big deal. He paused mid-swing and stopped very reverently, took off his golfer's cap and bent down to one knee to pray and to show reverence for this funeral procession that was going by. And his partner was amazed. And after he got up, he said, That was just amazing that you would stop mid-swing out of reverence for this funeral that's going past. And the man said, well, I was married to her for 35 years. I figured it was the least that I could do. So often we make a big deal out of little responses to God's love. Out of little pieces of reverence that we would go to church That we would bow our head before a meal. Wow, that must be pretty respectful. The bar for Christians is a little low right now. And James will have none of it. James believes that God's actions to save you and the love that he has for you requires life-changing and action-altering responses. It's not enough to bow your head. It changes the way you look. At everything. So continues James's logic in James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. I'm going to read right now through verse 19. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled And shudder. Today I want to make three comparisons that I think is that I think James is is dealing with in this text. Comparison number one is a comparison between the works of Paul and the work here of James. Now there are some throughout history, and Martin Luther was one of them, who believe that James is in direct opposition completely contrary to the work of Paul. In fact, Martin Luther called the book of James a book of straw, and he did not believe that it should be in the Bible. So let's define our terms. The two terms we're dealing with are faith and works. Faith involves more than believing. Faith is not just believing that something is real. Faith is knowing it personally and leaning on it. I may know something about this pew, right? But now I have faith. Okay, I have faith when I start actually trusting in the thing I believe in. It's one thing to say you believe something. It's another to start leaning on it. Faith is leaning. Works then, how do we define that? Some translations of the Bible will translate the word deeds here. That's that's not a bad understanding. It's action. It's In part, in the Jewish understanding, following the laws, doing the things that God commands for us to do. And so here is the question, one of the biggest questions being thrown around in the New Testament. The New Testament has this understanding that God does all this work to send Jesus, for him to die on the cross, to be resurrected. The question of the New Testament is, how does that saving work of Jesus become yours? How does this gift become? Become yours. How do you receive this gift of salvation? And the debate is well, is it by faith or by works? Do you just have to lean into it and trust it? Or do you have to follow some rules and do some things? Is there a checklist? Do you have to become Jewish? Do you have to be, eat kosher? Do you have to get circumcised? Do you have to stop killing people and sleeping with your neighbor's wife or husband? Where's the line? How does it become yours? Listen to Paul's words on the topic. Go ahead and flip to the next. Paul's words from Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. Or Romans 3.28. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So Paul says in multiple places, and I could have put a bunch of texts up here. These are the most succinct. Works don't get you there. You have to have faith. It becomes yours by faith. Paul is fighting against this idea that you have to have more rules. You have to have more standards. You have to have a checklist. Remember, he, he was a Pharisee. He grew up in that kind of system. He followed all the rules. And when Jesus comes along and Paul experiences Jesus He realizes that's not the way in. Grace is God's gift for you, and you have to receive it. It's not something you can earn. But how then does that square with James, who says in these texts, again, I could have gone different places in James. This is just right out of what we just read. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Are these two contrary to one another? James even gives an example here. A poor person comes to you and you bless them. Hey, go in peace. Be warm and filled. But you don't do anything about it. Is that saving faith? It reminds me of Christians when we say that we're going to pray for somebody else. That's great. I hope we pray for each other. And I hope when we promise to pray for each other, we actually do it. But better than that, sometimes I think when we say we'll pray for each other, what we really mean is I will keep you at a distance and not wade into the messiness of your life. So what I have tried to do is if, if I need to pray for somebody, sometimes I'll just pray right there. Then I don't have to promise to pray for them. I've already done it. But my other question is, what else is going on? What else do we need to talk about? Is there another way I can support you? James gives yet another example here. The example is that of demons. Now, this is not a text about demons. This is not a sermon about demons. But in short, demons are fallen angels. They were in the presence of God and rejected it. Let me tell you something about demons. They really believe in God. I mean, they really, they've been around them. They rejected them. Demons believe in God in a way that you and I, this side of heaven, will never be able to do. But does that save them? No, that doesn't save them. Simply believing in God's existence isn't what gets you in here. Okay, James wants to make that perfectly clear. No, it's something else. It's something deeper. Are James and Paul opposed to each other? Martin Luther thought so, but I don't. First of all, you, you can't tell me that Paul didn't care about character and action, right? Go read the works of Paul He's constantly harping on people for their behavior, expecting high things. He expects you to grow. In fact, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul says that Christians should work out their salvation with fear and trembling. Paul's metaphor is very physical. Like, you have salvation in you, but part of what you have to do is work it out. You have to get it out of you. No, I think... Paul cares about works. He cares about deeds. He cares about behavior. And I think James does care about faith. He's not saying that faith doesn't save you, but he's saying that if you have faith, it doesn't turn into actions. That's not the kind of faith that will save you because it's dead faith. Church Father Hilary of Arles said, Works gives life to faith. We have another saying. How many of you ever have heard the phrase, the proof is in the pudding? You ever heard that phrase? That's a short version. The long version is the proof of the pudding is in the eating. That's how it really goes. What it says is this. You say that you have good pudding. I'll know when I eat it. Like We can sit here and talk pudding all day. I will prove the pudding when I eat the pudding. Right? It's like all these people that claim to have the world's best cup of coffee. Can't all have the world's best cup of coffee. Talk is cheap for James. The proof of the pudding's in the eating. If it's real faith, it proves itself out in actions. And for James, if your faith is not proving itself in action, then we've got to question some things. It's like a tree that won't grow, that doesn't bud leaves, and doesn't produce any fruit. What do we call that tree? Dead. And we chop it down. We don't leave that tree there. If your faith isn't producing something, then we've got to turn around and have some questions about the faith. Not that the fruit saves you, but the fruit proves the faith that's saving. I don't think James and Paul are at odds here. I think they're complementary. And I think as we keep reading, James, we're going to get to unpack this. So, comparison number two. James goes along and he gives examples of Abraham and Rahab. Abraham and Rahab. And let me keep reading in verse 20. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now we're really, are we getting opposed to Paul here? We're getting far. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messenger's That sent them out by another way. As for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So James here is continuing, and he gives two examples to try to show how foolish the idea is that faith apart from works uh, is of any value. Example number one, Abraham. Probably a story more familiar to most of us. Abraham is called by God to leave his father's house, to start a nation, even though he's old and shouldn't be able to have kids. Uh, He's promised this land that's not currently his, that he's never set foot on before. He's finally given a child, but he's asked to sacrifice this child. And you remember the story, at the last minute, a ram shows up this great image of what Christ does for us. Abraham is not a perfect guy. In the Bible, it is pointed out several times that God calls him, that God calls him a friend of God, that God calls him righteousness, righteous, even though he doesn't deserve it. Abraham, in the Bible, is the example of faith and not work saving. Paul uses it to say, Abraham, it's counted righteousness. He's called a friend of God. But James points out that his faith is completed in his works. He may have believed. But eventually the belief is called into question and action. And Abraham follows through. He's willing to do it. James points out that that faith is tested. And therefore it's completed. It's perfected in that moment. He compares Abraham... To the story of Rahab, Rahab probably a less familiar for most of us. You can read about Rahab in Joshua chapter two and Joshua chapter six. She's a prostitute in Jericho, uh, and when the Israelites and Joshua are finally going to go after forty years in the desert into the land and take it over, they're helped out by this prostitute. She hides the Jewish spies, lets them down out the window. And is spared because of it. She even makes this great claim. A claim that the Israelites had maybe struggled to do. She says that the God of Israel is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. You can read about it in Joshua 2. She ends up being spared from Jericho. She and her family. She marries a man from the tribe of Judah. She has a son. And you may have heard of his son. Or her son. His name was Boaz. He married a woman named Ruth. Rahab ends up being like the great grandmother or great great grandmother of King David. She's listed in Matthew 1 as part of Jesus' lineage. Why? Because she believed and didn't just believe, James says. She acted on it. She didn't just believe, she helped the spies at great risk to herself and her family. I mean, look at what James has done. Look at these two characters. Go ahead to the next one, Spike. Abraham is a man. He's a Jew. He's a good guy. He's the father of Israel, and he's tested by God. Rahab is a woman. She's not even a Jewish woman. She's a Canaanite woman. That means she is an enemy of Israel. She's not good at all. She's a prostitute. Jews weren't even supposed to have anything to do with this woman for several reasons. And yet, James put these two characters back to back with totally different backgrounds and says, look at what's true for both of them. They had faith that was proved out in action, they had faith that worked. And so, next slide comparison three. How is life of faith and life of works to be compared? In life, we tend to like things black and white, either or. We like to balance things out, where maybe it's sometimes one thing and equally sometimes another thing. But the Bible has this pesky way of being both and, of being almost contradictory at times, right? Jesus is fully God and fully human. We are sinner and saint. God's kingdom is now and still not yet. In fact, I believe the Christian faith gets truncated and gets powerless if we emphasize too strongly faith or works. If we overemphasize faith without thinking about works, the faith becomes just a simple punch of the ticket. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm set. I can cruise now. And a life of that, that kind of faith, James says, doesn't save you, right? Faith without works is dead. But on the other hand, Life of works without faith ends up being like earning your salvation. And even though Paul didn't say it in these words, I wonder if Paul would say to us that works, that work without faith is dead. That if you work, but you're not ultimately leaning on Christ, it is of no value. In fact, the church father Chrysostom said it this way. Faith without works is dead and works without faith are dead. It is therefore necessary to shore up the spiritual edifices on both in both directions. What's Chris Awesome saying? You got to have both of these things. You got to have both of these things. Works don't save you, but they don't separate out so neatly from our saving. There's a story of a woman who was married, and she thought she was supposed to be faithful and committed, but she had a husband who kept lists. Literal lists of the things that she did and did not do for him. Things that she should do and things that she failed to do. As you can imagine, this was well received by the wife. No, she hated it. In fact, she would intentionally not do stuff on the list just to tick him off. Finally, the husband died. She swore she would never be married again. But it didn't work out that way. She met a man who really loved her. He did everything to make her feel loved. They got married and had a wonderful relationship. And a few years later, she was going through some old stuff and she found a box with all these lists, right? From her previous husband. The stuff she should have done, the stuff she didn't do. And you know what she found? She found she was doing all the stuff on those lists. But because it was a checklist before, she she hated it. But in doing it out of love and service, she found she approached those things with just a different attitude. Faith is saving. You're not saved by your good deeds. You're saved because God called you a friend of God and you're saved as soon as you lean into it. But if it's real faith, then you should respond with love and gratitude It should bear fruit in your life. doesn't matter if you're a good person or a bad person. Maybe you lived your life like Abraham, the chosen one, right? You had everything right. Maybe you're a little bit of Rahab, unclean, dirty, outside of the norm. Maybe you're probably, you're a little bit of both. But here's the fact. God unyieldingly and unrelentingly loves you. And he proved it. Sending Jesus, bearing the cross, the resurrection, the ascension where Jesus is accepted and his sacrifices get the stamp of approval of the father. And here's the good news. We're not alone as we try to work out our faith. We have the blessing of the Holy Spirit that God is with us to guide us, to change us and to shape us. That whatever we do, God will continue to love us forward. Maybe you get stuck. Maybe you have times where you don't grow, where you don't have the maturity that you want. But your salvation is not at risk. It's already yours. God just stands waiting to love you and move you forward. May that be the role of the church in your life as well. Let's pray. Lord, we quickly make our lives about faith without works. We have our salvation, and so we get lazy and complacent. But we also do the opposite. We quickly make our lives about being good, as if our petty goodness could impress you in your perfection. Help us to walk the tricky edge of faith and works. May we do things because you have first loved us.